It's that time of year again to bring the HBCU energy. Target has you covered from a range of black owned or founded products alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. And did you know that Target is bringing back the HBCU Design Challenge, a creative competition pairing HBCU students with Target mentors? Keep an eye out for Target scholars as well a scholastic program offering financial assistance and internship opportunities for HBCU students. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure. Target is also sponsoring the new season of Illuminating Intersectionality, featuring Chef Jade of All Jades, Dr. Takia Robinson, and the incredible friend of Hey Friend Hey. Now, y'all know they're my girls, okay? So, you know, I was there for season one of Illuminating Intersectionality. I watched every episode. They got three of the smartest women I know. I'm not even going to give away what they're talking about, but when Jade offered her contribution, I just think it's such a unique angle. And it's a unique perspective that we haven't really heard before. And it was really eye-opening. So, I know that I'm tuning in to season two. You all better tune in to season two as well. Shout out to those three ladies over there at Illuminating Intersectionality and shout out to Target. You guys can look forward to season two of Illuminating Intersectionality right now. Welcome to the friend zone. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesca, also known as Hey Friend Hey. My name is Asante. This is the friend zone. Let's Welcome to a bonus episode of the Friend Zone. You know we love bringing y'all extra content. Mm-hmm. This one though is sponsored by Target's Black Beyond Measure, and in support of season two of Illuminating Intersectionality. Clap hey. for it! Clap for it! <laughs> yeah, light it up. Hosted, okay, hosted and executive produced by myself. Dr. Takia yes. Robinson and Jade of All Jades of the Getting Grown podcast. Like I mentioned, this season is a three-part audio series three that focuses a three-pack that focuses on HBCUs. We looked at everything from the unsung women who have helped develop HBCUs to the dynamics between foreign-born Black students and Black American students at HBCUs and food and culture and the role that food plays in feeling comfortable and building community and even just feeling grounded in an environment. Because we want to know we, what Mary McLeod mm-hmm. Bethune was eating when she started <laughs> Bethune-Cookman. <laughs> but it's real, though. She had that, you know, what have some eating? fuel. Did she have to... onions? Attackies. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm actually curious because... Although we touched on those topics on the episode, shout out to Jade of All Jades who covered the food episode. Yes. I am curious in a more playful way. Um, did y'all have good food at your schools? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, was that even a thing? Because that was the joke for us. <laughs> we went to PWIs, mm-hmm. uh, predominantly white institutions. So we did not get that good Mm-mm. food. We had Dr. Joy come on who went to Xavier, mm-hmm. which is a um, well-known HBCU. And she's from Louisiana. And she said the food was amazing. I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. All the they food were eating gumbo. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hell what? Yeah. Imagine. While we, while we that was, was not to, our experience. To Chili's for margarita Mondays <laughs> and stuff. $2 margaritas. <laughs> Chili's. Cheap chains. You know what I'm saying? That's what we mm-hmm. ate. We didn't have... 
good um, andouille sausage or whatever. We didn't have all that. Ooh, we didn't have my that. goodness. Yeah, we had Red Robin bottomless yeah, fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that strawberry that was lemonade. As lux- okay, yeah. that was as luxurious as we got mm-hmm. in college. One thing about a Red Robin is there was not one because, you know, in Atlanta, it just wasn't yeah, towards the Red city. Robin? Red Robins were like in the outsides, but like not like towards the downtown because I was at State University. They have a downtown campus and it's open campus. Mm -hmm. So like there was like a little there's the calf, which has their Mm -hmm. food and then they have the other meals. So, you know, there was like the food that they make and then they had like the Chick-fil-A breakfast. And then there's like the other actual uh, franchises that were in there. So there was like the Burger King in there and other things. But one of my favorite things is ever since high school, I'd always gone off campus to eat. Mm -hmm. Red Robin was <laughs> grown, just one of the things that grown. when I would go visit my friend, uh, when he went to, shout out to EJ, when he went to Columbus, uh, I would go to, I would make sure I was like, we have to go to Red Robin because we don't have this up in up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He was like, that's one thing that's crazy. Because we had it like outside, I said, but I hated driving out to go get it. So if I had to, if I was out somewhere, I'm like, oh, it's in this area, then I was going to go get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing that I hated about Red Robin, I know that's not what this show is about, but since we're that was just such a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, but let's go there. I hated the strawberry lemonade because it had too much stuff in it. It wasn't oh, yeah. just like Did a flavor of so a strawberry syrup. It was like that, but then it was like tons and tons of chunks of strawberries until <laughs> you can't even get a good pull through the straw because it's being clogged <laughs> up by strawberry matter. By strawberry chunks. Yeah, yeah. I hated that. So, I, I hated remember that. that. Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> but I am curious. Um, what I wanted to ask you guys about today has a lot to do with the episode that I produced for Illuminating Intersectionality, which I mentioned earlier, focuses on Black identities at HBCUs. Once you put race, you take race off the table, right? At HBCUs, not saying that every student is Black, but we are the dominant race at the HBCUs. So it allows room for other parts of Blackness, right, to take room to take up space. And it's a lot of reckoning and reconciling that happens at HBCUs when race is removed and there's room for you to look at sexual identity, gender. We're looking at ethnicity, nationality. I mean, so much room for other parts of us to come up and express themselves. So one thing I was curious about was your experience with international blackness, a Mm. blackness that, yes, we're all black, who were raised so differently. And let's not forget, there's a lot of anti-Blackness too Mm -hmm. that happens sometimes because most international Black people only know about us through media. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. media is designed to make us look crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, most people don't even know what the actual American experience of Blackness is. They literally understand it through the lens of white supremacy, through how we're depicted in movies, how we're depicted in music videos and songs in the music industry and all of these industries. When I interviewed international black students and I asked them, how did you first learn about black Americans before you even hit campus? And all they said was movies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> learned about y'all through different world. Learned about y'all through boys in the hood. <laughs> learned about y'all through all the <laughs> classic black movies that yeah. are on Hulu and Netflix, you know? So I'm curious what has been your experience, whether at work, whether at school and being in New York, that's just day to day living. 
um, engaging with blackness that is different from yours? Well, you know, like for myself, you know, speaking for myself, for me, this is Mm -hmm. me. Okay. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Something you have to make clear nowadays on the Internet. Explicitly (laughs) clear. Um, I think we need a sticker like this, like the explicit lyrics sticker. We need a sticker that say, I'm talking about me, y'all. Okay. But um, I grew up in the Midwest, right? So where mm-hmm. I'm from in that specific part of the Midwest, there was not a lot of diversity in blackness. Okay. You pretty much had black Americans. Now you, who, who did not have like a Caribbean background or, you right. know, any other background than what we have. Of course, you know, there were some people who, you know, may have had been of Caribbean descent or may have, um, you know, there was an African person, you know what I'm saying, in our school class or whatever, but predominantly it was just black Americans. And that was the the way that my life was kind of, um, you know, that was centered, yeah, centered for quite some mm-hmm. time. I didn't really mm-hmm. get exposed to the diaspora, the full diaspora of blackness until I moved to New York City. And I was I around people who, yeah, <laughs> who were like Spanish people who were black Mm -hmm. and and other black people from all over the world and was exposed to like the richness of the cultures in in little things like music, you know what I'm saying? Moving to New York and really being immersed in like a a, a soca or like, um, you know, just other (laughs) reggae reggae music, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Living in on Dykeman for years and being exposed to the reggaeton (laughs) and you know what I'm saying? And and bachata and all of that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I love that shit. You know, I used to be slapping mm-hmm. high fives all the way down the block when I lived on Dyke. Hey, y'all, what's up, y'all? Hey, hey, Dustin. Hey, what's going on? Because I was cool with them. You know what I'm saying? With everybody. And the food. Mm-hmm. And the food you're exposed to the food. living in those neighborhoods. You get exposed mm-hmm. to so many different types of black food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just what we eat here. You know what I'm saying? Greens and and dressing and the black Southern derived cuisine that, that we're, we usually attribute to like soul food and blackness. So my eyes really were opened up when I did move to New York and I was able to have friends that came from, you know what I'm saying? Fury, one of my best friends, straight up Jamaican. He know how to speak right. Patois and all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like just being exposed to the different types. I'm so grateful for that. I just got exposed to that. And I'm so grateful because I didn't know. I literally did not know. Um, and awesome. and just being exposed to the richness of blackness is great. So I hope that everybody gets a chance to accept people that can appropriate from it. But if you're a part right. of it, you need to understand the wide breadth of blackness that the exists. Yeah. yeah. Asante. So I remember in elementary school, I had a best friend mm-hmm. and my best friend was black, lived right under me. And my best friend's mom used to complain about the neighbors being different different from us. And I was like, those are black people too. What are you talking about? And so from there, I kind of just understood that there were cultural differences from other mm-hmm. black people. I just mm-hmm. thought I was one of those blacks being from Atlanta. I thought Atlanta was the universe mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So it was like, <laughs> all right, well, Atlanta is Chocolate City and it's all black and I love Atlanta, even though racism happens. I was really acknowledging racism more in elementary school, which was crazy to me. And in middle school and high school, I started to get to know some Jamaican people. Okay. And I had some homegirls that were Jamaican. They were just really, really crunk, just really lit. Like they were always just partying and talking about really fun stuff. And I would go over the houses and they just had really, uh, they were just very prideful of whatever islands they were from, their cuisines, their music. And it was just really, really dope and fun to me. I just thought that it was really cool that people loved themselves so much that it really mattered to them, their roots. And they they were acting as if um, 
they were celebrating it as if they were taking where they were from everywhere that they went. And so I think that's why, like, it's funny to me whenever I meet people from Atlanta that act like that. I always think about island people that I've met. I'm like, oh, you act just like these island people I used to know. <laughs> some some Jamaicans, some from St. Kitts, you know, people just from a little bit of everywhere. So that was really like high school was really where it, like solidified like, oh, there are other black people out there and I got to go see them, which is why I think in part I get so activated whenever I do go visit other islands because I'm like, maybe I wasn't. You know, maybe I was uh, African from, I mean, maybe I was a uh, Caribbean uh, after Africa In instead of, life. you know, shit on the other boat, you know. <laughs> I never thought about where I was from. <laughs> In the past I was thinking life. about the 23... Oh, in the past hmm. life. Yeah, I don't even know how to trace that mentally. But spiritually, I know it's a journey. Hmm. <laughs> what about you, friend? Well, being from New York, I feel like my experience was just very different because we have everybody. I mean, everybody. And then I was in the projects. So that's a class difference, too. Mm. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't just uh, all this melting pot, but it was also all of us that were poor as hell, <laughs> you know, corralled to these buildings. Um, and so it was that's why when people get angry when they hear certain like Latin backgrounds or white people saying the N word. Like, obviously, I understand that. Right. Theoretically. But growing up in New York, it really was like that when you're all poor. It's like we all were just poor and everyone would say it and it just wasn't a thing. And so it was just this like understanding. But I also understand people outside of that Mm -hmm. context don't understand it. And I see a lot of people getting reprimanded for, you know, words they use or just cultures that they were a part of. Because New York is its own culture. Absolutely. Like, that's just, you know? And so it's interesting to be in the middle of that because I've always found that um, double side <laughs> of the coin to be so, such an interesting conversation. Um, yeah. So, and then also I'm for, I come from a foreign-born family, mm-hmm. too. I'm first-generation mm-hmm. American. So I'm already in the middle <clears throat> of both experiences mm-hmm. where I'm getting the Americanized experience, but I also have a mom and grandparents and cousins and uncles and just a whole extended family that don't come from here. And just hearing their uh, opinions yeah. <laughs> about black Americans and their projections, yeah. their prejudice uh, there's xenophobia, yes. right? It's this prejudice of people you don't know that aren't from your background, aren't from your country. It was always interesting to me because I never understood it. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. just as black, mm-hmm. <laughs> just yep. come from a different background, but we're all under the same hand. Absolutely. The same ruling hand, gnarled you know? And hand. I never, I mean, a gnarled hand, and that's the part that always got lost in the sauce for me, where it was like, a competition of who was less black for sure <laughs> and like a yep. other in a othering it was always a yep, othering, othering. And, yep. it, and let me also be clear it wasn't just the form born black people i would hear that from black americans felt mm-hmm. in yep. similar ways i remember being in elementary middle school and the african kids being made fun mm-hmm. of Absolutely. Yep. African booty yep. scratcher. Yep. Remember like yep. all these names and regardless of what city you were from, we all used it. Well, I didn't, but I always heard it. You know, I always saw the uh, Dominican kids. There would be beef between them because even though they were dark skinned, but they spoke Spanish or had accents yep. or even small cultural. Yeah. Right, right. Stuff. 
it's and then the anti-blackness that often does come from the foreign-born blacks because they don't have the same racial categories that we do. That's yeah. very American yep. to be like you're black. In these countries, that's more homogenous, mm-hmm. kind of like what Dustin was saying about how his city felt. It's like I don't we don't call each other black. We don't say yep. what's your ethnic background. We don't have those categories because we're all just the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, so it's just a lot. I think it's a lot of confusion and miscommunication and misunderstanding that we all are kind of sparring with each other with without like yeah. that convo that's almost like the elephant in the room like yo we're all under the same oppressive rule yeah. you think of me when what and what i think of you is coming it's by design so you know just, like it's coming from the same place let's just dap let's it just up, dap and it do up. We do. <laughs> i told you guys interestingly enough i you had know? a friend who um told me that his grandmother uh, when she came to the United States, I think she came from the Dominican Republic. It was either the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic or Puerto Rico. I can't remember which because mm-hmm. my friend is both. And my friend is Dominican and Puerto Rican mixed. So I can't remember mm-hmm. which side of the family, which grandmother it was. But one of his grandmothers came over to the U.S. and she couldn't speak English. And she mm-hmm. watched the news. And he told me that a lot of the racism that comes from um, people from different places that come to the United States it's because they can't speak English and they watch the news and the depiction, like you mentioned, Fran, of right. blacks in media is so it's negative, criminals. criminal, mm-hmm. negative um, and just just aggressive. And that is mm-hmm. what angry. That's where the opinions yeah. and some of the um, perspectives are formed and shaped from there. And that is where the mm-hmm. prejudices begin. I found that mind blowing because mm-hmm. I, too, would be confused. I, too would be confused you know what i'm saying like how are you gonna yeah. hate on like high pot i'm kettle you know what i'm saying Hello. but literally that's where it comes from so again mm-hmm. it just shows the high the importance of communication of knowledge of exposure of us being in spaces where we can be exposed to these different cultures and these different types of blackness but being made to understand that we are black we are black people right. yeah. and that that's not something to be shied away from so, something that you want to create distance with yourself and your identity from. No, we black. I'm black. Blacker than mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am black. And I and respect yeah. for our culture too, mm-hmm. as black Americans. Cause you do you notice like whenever there's a diaspora war online, mm-hmm. the first thing that people throw at us is you, you don't, don't even know where, know where, you're, where from. you're from. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you don't even have no culture. And I think that that is insulting because we have actually, we do actually have a culture, a culture that's very easily recreated. Look in music videos. Mm-hmm. You see now that Afrobeat is, is global. I see certain scenes in videos. There's an artist, huge artist that just dropped a video. And in the scene, he has on Tim's. He's in a street corner and looks like Harlem. You know, and, and it's and that's culture. Like that's Been our culture. You can so. see, yeah. you can understand it. Our fashion, mm-hmm. our food, mm-hmm. chopped cheese. Like you know, the way that we talk, our slang, our our clothing through the years. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything about us, gold teeth, mm-hmm. um, it, it haircuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's endless. You know, books that 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 are known from our culture, like. Um, coldest winter like just everything we have Mm -hmm. such culture and such detail and so i think it's really offensive when people say that because we might not be able to trace as far back as certain people but we still go pretty far back with our own grandparents to bring the hbc energy
Target has you covered from a range of Black-owned or founded products alongside impactful opportunities to support and invest in the next generation of HBCU excellence. Whether it's homecoming or brunch with the girls, add an exclamation point to the menu with Ghetto Gastro's waffle mix and syrup and Slutty Vegan's tasty dips. Even better, make it a party with fun games like Lyrically Correct and Culture Karaoke. Discover more ways to tap in with Black-owned or founded products for your next social gathering. And by the way, did you know Target is bringing back the HBCU Design Challenge, a creative competition pairing HBCU students with Target mentors. Keep an eye out for Target Scholars as well, a scholastic program offering financial assistance and internship opportunities for HBCU students. Lock in with Target this homecoming season and beyond at Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure. Target is also sponsoring the new season of Illuminating Intersectionality featuring moi and your faves from Getting Grown, Dr. Takia Robinson and Chef Jade of All Jades. We're very excited about this season. It was so good the first time around that they brought us back as an official Target-sponsored podcast. We're very excited about that. Go ahead and check it out right now wherever you listen to your podcast. Season two is focused on HBCUs. We discuss everything from food and culture to the women who have been overlooked, the students, the scholars, the staff in the development of HBCUs. And my episode focuses on the foreign born Black experience. What's it like coming into the States and going to a historically Black college or university? What's the student body like? What's it like with the language, with the food? We get into all of it and it's a really, really, really good conversation. So go listen now. Illuminating Intersectionality Season 2. Thank you, Target. We also have very clearly defined cultural impact that creates the culture you're speaking of. Globally, style. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Music. Um, um, fashion aesthetics, blending like high fashion with edgy streetwear, wearing, mm-hmm. you know, couture items, literally walking down the block. You see girls with real Chanel. But I just saw an interview with a Detroit queen pin named Big 50. You know, I'm obsessed with these interviews of people post release that have mm-hmm. these incredible stories, backstories. And she was saying how back in the like 30 years ago, Chanel did not, they were vocal about not wanting their bags carried in the hood, quote unquote, and all this other right. stuff. And she was like, that's all the brands. They were too. in Detroit rolling. She <laughs> said they, that the, the other, the newer young ladies that came after her would laugh at them and say they had them old lady bags because of the Chanel <laughs> big flat bags. But that, that's culture. That's black culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The meeting yeah. of those, the unlikely pairing of those sort of style items. And it being natural and actually being fly, that's the culture. And that's what it's trying to be stolen every time. Yeah. Right. Even Mm -hmm. our food, what we've recreated from poverty in a lot Mm -hmm. of instances, you know, and and made our own meals and our like our own recipes. So they eat collard green salads now. Collard greens are a delicacy. (laughs) Right. Right? Salads. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's funny you back on food. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to make the whole thing about food, but going back also to an elephant you were mentioning, Mm -hmm. that's why I was also touchy about um, how I was or discussing what I 
first noticed as other black people when I was younger because the neighbors were discussing how they didn't like the smell coming from mm, the, the African people's house because of the food. Right. And that was so interesting to me that the that they had different food. And I think that's what piqued my interest initially because I was like, what do you mean the food is different? But like how we're just saying, like in Atlanta, they making, well, the South and Midwest, like they're doing like collard greens, mac and cheese, cornbread and stuff. So when they're in there doing, you know, the fish and the rice and stuff, and it Jolof was rice. throwing people off. It was like, <laughs> what's going on here? And that was always so not jarring to me. It was interesting to me. So when I met the Jamaicans and got the jerk chicken and rice for the first time, the rice and peas and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm a I don't know what this is. And I was learning some people was using coconut milk and some people wasn't. I was right. like, what You're like, open to trying yeah. it. And, and yeah, and that was, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because as someone that comes from a, a family that's foreign, even like holidays would be different for us, mm. you know, where Thanksgiving for us, first of all, we didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving. And then holidays would be different like we celebrate the day before christmas Mm -hmm, the 24th mm -hmm. christmas eve that's where latin people tend to celebrate Mm -hmm. and we don't eat we eat bernil you know we eat (laughs) bernil Mm -hmm. and rice and peas and our Mm -hmm. meals are different so i always thought chicharrones chicharrones coquito you know so culturally we we also had different traditions Mm -hmm. um and a lot of it is traditions that latin people had to create when they moved to the states you know because back home ain't nobody celebrating none of this stuff really Mm -hmm. but it just was interesting to me when people would be like oh did you and your family have turkey or you know and i'd be like no (laughs) we ate like pork right (laughs) and and just those differences how it was either made fun of because you were eating something different or there were mm-hmm. kids like you, Asante, who were like, oh, cool. Like, what else did you guys eat? And were more curious and open. And I think from uh, producing the episode of Illuminating Intersectionality, that's what I realized made the world of a difference. There are certain students that are not open to bridging those gaps. It's just not an interest. They're kind of more set in their ways and comfortable with just repping this identity they're holding on too tightly and and keeping it there. And we've also seen that we've seen it online, just those discourses. There's always certain people who will hold up the division and in turn are holding up white supremacy because that's the goal, right? To just keep us from communicating and unifying and really wreaking havoc. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just, um, I found it interesting speaking to one of the international students, shout out to Whitney Horsham, who was from Trinidad and went to an HBCU. And I asked her what that felt like. She said she actually had to sneak and apply because her mom told her no. Really? Mm. She was absolutely mortified at the thought of her coming to the States to attend a university with only black people. Her mom was like, why? Like, why would you even want that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, She just didn't understand. And so she applied to the school that her mom preferred. But then. After a year, when she turned 18, mm-hmm. she transferred to the HBCU. <laughs> I know that's right. And it was <laughs> okay. risky to do that. Obviously, her family was very angry. But you have to take those risks sometimes and be okay with disappointing your family yeah. when you have to make decisions that are for you, that have to do yep. with your life, your betterment, your development. Right. And sometimes here, it's here. hard, but sometimes you just got to do it. And I love that we had that convo because I think the risk in thinking differently from your family is already 
a game changer and very intimidating yep. right like when you very are intimidating. at that space you, you can life, lose a lot you yeah. risk your entire livelihood literally I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about things i know okay mm-hmm. so so <laughs> yeah. being faced with that sort of bravery that sort of forced bravery is really tough and it really requires a certain level of maturity like shout out to whitney you know what i and mean strength. for her even yeah. finding that in herself as a woman of color you know, at that mm-hmm. time, there had to be something that is intimidating. At the age of 18. Yeah, 17, truthfully. T- you know what I'm right. saying? Right. Headed to she another country. pre-production at 17. <laughs> 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 but I, lo- I thought it, it, her openness, her fearlessness, her curiosity, sure. those are all ingredients for us to really have these conversations comfortably because it really comes from both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, both sides are resistant in a lot of ways. Both sides are are lacking um what's the term? They're lacking that that intention of being like we really have to fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't continue to perpetuate these systems mm-hmm. at least but not by us. You know, we might not be able to control the larger systems, but at least within our communities we can do something about it. As far as it, it depends upon us, we can make what a change. We can control. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's beautiful. Like look at um when we saw I won't bring up the names or anything, but there was a certain unity that happens of blackness online oh, yeah. a mm-hmm, couple months mm-hmm. ago. How proud we mm-hmm. all were globally, like on a global scale, because that's the system we should be fighting against, yeah. not each other. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's a lot to think about. I'm so proud that we had these conversations. I think this is how you get it started. I think of the kids that are. You know, we have listeners from around the world. We are so like, grateful for that. Globally, yes. and we are so grateful for you. And we want you to know that there are people out here who respect your traditions and your welcome cultures. Them. Are excited? Welcome them. Are excited to engage? Think of the students like Asante, <laughs> like myself, like Dustin, who exist, who are curious about your culture and really interested in integrating. That's right. We're trying you know? to get down. Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> for real? Okay. Especially when y'all were talking about like the the fashions and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think about like how social media, like if it existed back then, like what fashion trends would we so have seen? Glad it didn't. All over. <laughs> I mean, we, so glad it didn't. But it's also funny revisiting like fashions from uh, like Black Americans. So I can only imagine like what the fashions were there that were probably hit today, and that they were like, oh, you know what? We should bring these back, or things that people see today that they're like, oh yeah, you know, my grandma used to do that over. Uh, on the islands or in Africa or whatever, I'm like, that'd be so just dope to right. kind of reel and see how things were inspired and how they've grown. Yeah. And how we have these details that are really connected without us really knowing, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll engage with people globally and they'll have certain things that they were doing as a teen that you're like, Oh my God, we were doing that here too, you know, or mm-hmm. we weren't and you had a completely different existence than mine. So this is exciting. It should be exciting. Uh, the the globalization of U.S. campuses mm-hmm. and high schools and colleges should be exciting. It should be a time for expansion of perspective. I agree. You know, for empathy. Think about what's happening now online. If we had access to people from different countries to really hear what's going on from their firsthand experience, as opposed to what's designed mm-hmm. online for us to read mm-hmm. you, y'all know the game. 
just think of how different life would be. So I, I just encourage people to be more open in their experiences in school. I know that that was the most fun part for me, meeting, being in class with someone from different, with people from different European countries, different African countries, different countries in Asia, islands I never heard yeah. of, you know, we're just yep. like, whoa, what's it like there? Like, enjoy yeah. it, take it in. That's what makes you a global mind that's just expansive mm-hmm. in itself. And if we're being honest, there is a, a common thread that lies amongst all black people. I'm not even sure how to specifically identify it or how to <laughs> right. describe but it, but there's it's, a, there's mm-hmm. a vibration that uh, mm-hmm. um, exists uh, as far as you being black. And I have black friends from all over the world at this point in my life. And I'm really um, grateful to be able to say that and finding <laughs> that, moment of a conspiratorial glance between you and another black person <laughs> in a certain space that yep. you literally don't know and, and it just you know what yep. i mean it just creates it's the springboard to true friendship and true partnership mm-hmm. yep. and i'm so grateful for that i have friends that i literally i'm telling i have a, just friends from all over the world that we were unlikely pairings but what <laughs> brought us toward each other was our blackness in moments mm-hmm. of, yep. of whatever i have a friend who I, I just have friends that, you know, that was the connection, the moment of connection. Yeah, and I think and that I that's that. great. And it, it it does it really is a portal to getting to know and learn and understand other cultures. Once you make that connection with people, some of the best friendships I have in my life were made that way. And so mm-hmm. I think that that is motivation enough, reason enough to go ahead and take that step to expose yourself to other types of blackness, whether it be from an experience on a college campus like we're talking about now or just moving to a different city like I did or right. you're working in a different yep. industry. You know, industries are heavily populated by people of other cultures. You may mm-hmm. be spending time every day with someone who's black of another, you know what I'm saying, from another place. And you guys right. can get to know each other that way. There's so many opportunities for people to kind of open that door and bridge yeah. that gap. You got to bridge that gap. We're not building, we're not building walls, we're bridging <laughs> gaps. That's what Amen. we're doing here. Yeah. Do you remember when we was in Antigua? Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't there, but I saw. You weren't there? No. <laughs> I don't know why I just see you there with Jade. Because I was on the there phone like that publisher's most clearing of the house stuff. Sheesh. <laughs> what? That is crazy. Okay, well, the reason I thought about Antigua was just, it was funny because, I mean, obviously it's a, a black island, but just very Black things kept happening <laughs> on the island that I just thought was so funny. And like, we just kept, I just kept making eye contact with like a lot of local people there and like having really hearty laughs. And like, at one point, one of the other people on the trip was just like, you just think that you're from here. Like, you just know everybody here. And I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know half these people, but we are all connected. Like, I don't know what it is. I just kept catching like the, like, the best things like when we were in one of the stores like somebody was in the store tripping and I caught I made eye contact with the cashier and she was just in the middle of rolling her eyes and, and saying something she just we locked eyes and she said what she said and I just busted out laughing because it was something that we had locked eyes <laughs> but I could see also why she was uh tripping on him tripping anyway I just always loved uh universal like anything worldly anyway mm-hmm. so me finding out that there were black people around the world, I was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, not just Africa, like we have a whole bunch of islands too. Like yeah. that's why I think the islands always activate me too. Cause it's like, uh, you know, they always coming from the South, people used to say black people can't swim. 
So when I found out that we had islands, I was like, oh, there's a bunch of us out there just swimming just all the swimming. time. You know, right. yeah, boats and everything. We doing it. We doing it big. Yeah. So if you're a black person and you in the hood, just know black people all around the world are doing it big. And you can be one as you get older. <laughs> and with that being said, thank you for tuning in to our bonus episode of The Friend Zone this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Target, yes. Black Beyond Measure. And thank you to Season 2 of Illuminating Intersectionality hey, featuring Dr. Takia Robinson, Chef Jade of All Jades, and myself. If you'd like to hear more about this conversation, because like I said, I brought up some research. I had some guests, some students, and we had Dr. Joy of Therapy for Black yes. Girls join us to give us the clinical perspective of what happens when we don't bridge the gap and what happens when we do. A lot of beautiful conversation and most importantly, a lot of really crucial and vital research was put into that episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you attended an HBCU. Maybe you went to a PWI. Maybe you didn't attend any of that. Mm -hmm. This is based on your experiences at work or just even commuting. Just in the world, especially in New York, if you're commuting, you're commuting with everyone and their mama. (laughs) So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you are foreign born black and have your own experiences as well. Let us hear both sides. And thank you for joining us today. We love you so much. And we will catch you guys next week. Stay black and protect your magic. Bye.